Welcome, dark friends, to the 11th episode of the third season of Dark Corner's Wraiths of the Appalachian. In this episode, Eddie concludes his visit to Flatwoods, West Virginia, home of the legendary Flatwoods monster, with a very disturbing experience. But then, where has Eddie gone thus far that was not disturbing? If you're not caught up to this point in the overall story, I strongly urge you to back up to where you left off. Otherwise, let's begin. Chapter 11 Masquerade You can see him? Eddie gaped at the woman he had just met. Arcana nodded and ran her hand over Snarly Owl's head and scratched him under his chin. I felt there was something special about this dog, aside from being gorgeous. Most people can't see him, Eddie said slowly. He was still so amazed he wasn't sure what to say. I'm sensitive to special energies and entities. Spirits, if you will. You're psychic? That's how most people refer to it, yeah. I usually use other terms. I sense things about people. She looked at Snarly Yow. And animals. What do you sense about Snarly? Snarly? Arcana's head snapped back to Eddie. Yeah, Snarly Yow. That's what... Well, someone told me his name was. Interesting, she said. Eddie knew by the way Arcana continued to nod that she was aware there was more to his story than Eddie was willing to tell, but she didn't pry further. Will anybody else in your group be able to see Snarly? I doubt it, she said. So, we'll just keep this a secret then? It might be best, for now at least. Well, Snarly's very special, Arcana paused and adjusted her glasses. He's not been with you long, has he? No, he hasn't. I think he came to you for a reason. Even though Eddie couldn't see her eyes through the dark glasses, he knew she was looking at him intently. Before he could ask what she meant, Arianne and Luke plopped down beside him on the grass with their food. The girl in the restaurant said the parade ought to start any minute, Arianne said but also that we shouldn't expect a whole lot, Luke added. The burly fellow from the SUV sat down beside Luke and began to eagerly unwrap his food. Eddie, this is Zach, Luke said. He's our tech guru. He nodded at Eddie and took a giant bite of his sandwich while Beth and Michael sat next to Arianne. By the time Luke had finished introducing Zach, the other women had joined them and sat down next to Arcana. Tessa, Aaliyah, this is Eddie. We met this morning at the motel. The women smiled, and Eddie grinned back at them. I thought one of you was Emily, Eddie said, feeling lost with all the introductions. That would be me, the red-haired woman said. Aaliyah's my stage name. Tessa's just Tessa. Yep, that's me, plain old Tessa, she said, grinning. You are many things, Beth said, shaking her finger as she grinned, but plain is not one of them. She turned her attention to the others. So has anybody checked out this funeral home where we're supposed to be dancing? Well, we're supposed to meet the manager at six, Zack said. That ought to give us more than enough time to set up. Hey, if something can go wrong, it will, Luke said. He turned to Eddie. A couple of years ago, we suddenly found ourselves with no music, and the only thing Zack could do was play music from his Game Boy. 
Not the first time I had to MacGyver something together to save your asses, Zack said with a deadpan expression. The group chuckled at that memory and then Ariane said, Hey, it looks like the parade might be starting. A sheriff's car had parked sideways on the highway to block incoming traffic. The view from the spot was perfect to see whatever the Flatwoods parade had to offer. The participants had to make a turn right in front of them onto Doctor's Lane where they would then head up a hill toward the funeral home, which was just across the highway from where they sat. As Luke had warned, there didn't seem to be anything particularly outstanding in the procession. There were a few pickup trucks with children dressed up in homemade green and red costumes that suggested their own versions of the Flatwoods monster. A fire truck went by with its lights flashing, followed by several older kids walking along dressed as other types of aliens. They were with a group of high school age students who were part of the local marching band playing the theme from Star Wars. But then, the highlight of the parade came into view. A green-robed figure that loomed over the other participants lumbered down the highway, turning its huge red head with its pointed green hood and glowing yellow eyes to peer at the crowd on either side of the road. It was the Flatwoods Monster in all its ten-foot glory. This was the Braxy that Andrew had mentioned. A group of teenagers who were obviously friends of the operator of the giant puppet cheered wildly from the sides. As the Flatwoods monster made its turn in front of Eddie and the dancing group, they cheered and clapped too, and the monster turned to flex the crooked claws at the end of its long red arms as it threatened them in response. That's awesome, Luke cried. I've seen costumes like that online that cost over $2,000. Whoever made that deserves a lot of credit. Andrew, the curator at the museum, told me there would be a special version of the monster for this parade, Eddie said. He said it was made by a high school student. Kids got a future as an engineer, no doubt, Zach said. Some of the crowd followed the giant monster up the hill while everyone else began working their way back into town. I guess it's time for us to go back to the motel to get our costumes. From there, we can head back here to the funeral home, Ariane said. Eddie, are you coming to the show? Only an alien abduction could make me miss it, he answered with a grin. Arcana was the last to get up and make her way to the car. She lingered long enough to run her hand over Snarly Yow's head again and to rub his ears. It's been interesting meeting you, Eddie, she said. I think you'll be surprised by our show. Oh? Eddie asked. No spoilers. Hope to see you there. Eddie nodded and watched her join the others. They all waved as both cars pulled out of the parking lot. As Eddie exited the office of the campground with Snarly Owl trotting along beside him, he suddenly froze in his tracks. There, with the Elk River in the background, was another of the huge Flatwoods monster chairs. He hadn't noticed it when he pulled into the parking area, but the chair wasn't what made Eddie stop. Sitting in the chair once again, was Kathleen May, just as she had been in the museum. Eddie slowly approached the chair, and Kathleen watched him. She took a long pull on her cigarette, and after blowing a thin plume of smoke out the side of her mouth, she spoke. Watch out, Eddie Bowen. What do you mean? You need to be very careful. Of what? Just be careful. As Kathleen took another drag of her cigarette, Eddie watched her fade away. In seconds, he saw only the wooden back of the chair. 
Eddie looked around to see if anyone else had witnessed the strange phenomenon. RVs sat lined up as if in a camping show, and a few people puttered around them, but no one acted as if anything odd had happened. Eddie turned and looked at Snarly Al. You saw her, right, boy? Snarly wagged his tail twice. Well, I guess all we can do is find our site and get set up. We can enjoy the peace and calm of the river for a bit and then head back into Flatwoods to catch the dance show. Surely that won't be too dangerous. Eddie's campsite was right on the river, which offered not only a beautiful view, but also the promise of another good night's sleep because of the constant murmur of the current flowing over the large, smooth rocks. Eddie set up his tent quickly and placed a chair to face the river. The day had turned hot and humid, but there on the riverside, he enjoyed a cool breeze that constantly blew through the site. He indulged himself and popped a beer that was still cold from the melted ice water in his cooler. The setting was so peaceful, he simply sat there for a few minutes watching the river flow and reveling in the peace and calm. When he had finished his beer, he retrieved his guitar from the van and began to play. Eddie didn't know how much time had passed as he sat by the river, but eventually he noticed that the sun was getting rather low on the horizon. He felt so good that he thought about just grabbing another beer and blowing off the trip back into Flatwoods. But I promised I'd be there. Eddie sighed and slowly got up from his chair. Snarly Al raised his head from where he had been napping. Eddie put the guitar back in the van and pulled a clean t-shirt from his carry-all. Once he had changed, he called to the wolf dog. Come on, fella. We got a show to go to. It was the strangest venue Eddie had ever seen for a show, and he had played in some odd places with various bands in his early 20s. But a funeral home takes the cake. The fact that the sun was setting offered only a slight respite from the thick, humid heat that sat on Flatwoods like a wet blanket. Eddie tried not to think about the cool breeze he had left back at the campsite. As he walked up the hill with Snarly Al to the parking lot behind the funeral home, Eddie could hear Luke's voice testing the sound system. About a dozen locals settled themselves into their folding chairs as others drifted in from where they had parked below, as Eddie had. The troop had created a makeshift stage by rolling out a large carpet over the asphalt to designate their performing area in front of a nondescript door to a part of the funeral home that looked like a warehouse. Five or six blue barrels sat ominously in full view. The costumed dancers grouped themselves in another designated area off to the side, which served as a backstage where the women who weren't dancing could wait while the others performed. The costumed dancers grouped themselves in another designated area off to the side, which served as a backstage where the women who weren't dancing could wait while the others performed. Eddie almost didn't recognize Arianne. She wore a short black wig with a small red tiara that came to a point. She was dressed in a flowing green skirt and a tight-fitting sleeveless green top with long red gloves. Her costume unmistakably suggested the town's local legend. She was chatting with Arcana, who was dressed in black flared pants and a black top like Arianne's green one. Instead of the tiara-like headpiece, Arcana had two black furry ears on the top of her head. When Arianne caught Eddie's eye, she smiled and waved him over. Hey, I'm glad you made it. Thanks for coming. No problem, Eddie said. Looks like you might end up with a decent crowd. I'm amazed anyone came out with this heat, Harry Ann said. The humidity's already making us lose our faces. The way our makeup is melting, we probably should have changed the theme to Night of the Living Dead. 
Well, you're at the right place for it, Eddie said, motioning to the funeral home sign. Snarly Al wagged his tail twice as he looked at Arcana, who smiled back at him and gave Eddie a wink. Luke joined them and after a quick greeting to Eddie said, Zack says he thinks we're ready to start when you are. It's not as dark as we'd like, but since we've already got an audience and we did say the show would start at 8.30, we probably ought to get going. Fine. I'll tell the ladies to get ready and you can give the welcome and introduce the first number, Marianne said. Guess I'll join the audience, Eddie said. Break a leg. Eddie found a spot where he could lean against a tree and still be able to see the show. The crowd stopped chatting as they saw Luke walk to the center of their improvised stage and lift his microphone. Hey everybody, how are we all doing tonight? A sharp blare of feedback burst from the speakers and Luke jerked the mic away from his mouth. He looked to Zach, who shrugged, turned a knob or two, and then gave him a thumbs up. Luke repeated his question, this time without any electronic feedback. Most people in the audience nodded and smiled, and a few answered, good, in polite voices that contrasted greatly with the whistles, hoots, and hollers that Eddie imagined the dance troupe typically got in the bars and conventions where they were used to performing. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Final Form Fusion, a dance troupe made up of game-loving, cosplaying geeks who want only to express their love for all genres of geek culture, especially horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and anime, through the medium of dance. Tonight, we want to share our family-friendly brand of entertainment with you during your special celebration of a very popular figure here in Flatwoods, someone you all know and love. So without further ado, we'll begin with our first number, a special Final Form Fusion tribute to the Flatwoods Monster. Please put your hands together for Aaliyah, Tessa, Firequill, and Vinka. Four dancers wearing costumes that matched Ariane's green and red outfit walked out in single file and took their places in two lines facing each other. They stood still with their heads looking down as they waited for their cue. Even though it wasn't totally dark yet, when Zack started the music, along with the synchronized blue and red lights that illuminated the dancers, Eddie was impressed with the effect. The eerie electronic beats of Lorne's The Slow Blade set the mood perfectly for the women's suggestion of an alien creature. Their moves were fluid and graceful, reminiscent of the stories of how the ten-foot-tall monster glided out of the woods toward the terrified May family back in 1952. When the song ended, the crowd applauded with enthusiasm, even though they were most likely a much more conservative audience than the dance troupe typically experienced. Eddie blew a loud, piercing whistle by putting two fingers in his mouth as his mother had taught him to do. In response, Snarly Yow laid both ears flat back against his skull as he looked at Eddie disapprovingly. As the women exited the performance area, Luke took his mic to the front and addressed the crowd again. As many of you know, the Flatwoods monster is just one of several mysterious creatures in Appalachian cryptid lore. For over a hundred years, stories have been told in West Virginia and Maryland of a large black dog with glowing eyes that mysteriously appears to haunt folks on dark moonless nights. At this time, we present a solo performance by Arcana with her dance inspired by the legend of Snarly Owl, the Phantom Dog. Eddie could hardly believe his ears. That's why she said I'd be surprised by their show. It's almost too much to be a coincidence. In the darkness, Arcana strode to the performing area and waited for her cue. While her song, Monsters by Rule, was a bit more upbeat than the previous song, 
Its dark overtones seemed perfect for Arcana's sultry movies. At times, the dancer alternated between smiling seductively at the audience and snarling at them, and they responded with good-natured laughter and clapping. Snarly, too, seemed to take special notice of this dance, for he stood up from where he had been sitting beside Eddie and walked to where he could see Arcana more easily. Midway through the song, a single loud electronic pop jolted the crowd and the song stopped. Arcana froze and looked toward Zack, who was frowning at the control board. Snarly Yow swirled to look behind the audience. In a move that Eddie had come to recognize as Snarly's recognition of an intruder, the wolf dog dashed past the crowd and down the paved road he and Eddie had walked earlier. Eddie ran after him, barely able to keep from yelling the dog's name as he knew that doing so wouldn't stop the dog's pursuit and would make people think he was crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie heard Luke shout to be heard without his mic, sorry for the delay. We should be able to fix this problem very soon and resume our program. Thank you for your patience. Snarly turned onto the main road which Eddie knew would take him through the heart of the tiny community. Eddie also knew he would never catch up to Snarly Owl on foot, so he rushed to the van and headed out after the dog. He breathed a sigh of relief as his headlights picked up Snarly's form running on the side of the road ahead of him. He followed the dog as they passed the post office and then the community center where they had seen vendors hawking their UFO wares earlier in the day. Eddie wondered how far Snarly was willing to run in pursuit of whatever it was he had seen. What if he leaves the road and heads into the woods, Eddie wondered. When they got to the elementary school, Snarly stopped. He left the road and sniffed the sidewalk at the front of the school and then backed up to the spot where he had left the road. Eddie pulled the van into the school parking lot and he remembered that this was quite likely the place where the Mayboys had first seen the fiery ball streak down from the sky to land somewhere nearby. Snarly, Eddie called from his open window. What's up, boy? He shifted the van into park and got out with the motor running. Snarly looked up at Eddie briefly and wagged his tail once, but then returned to sniffing the ground and walking in circles as if trying to pick up a lost scent. Eddie leaned against the van and watched him hoping that a deputy making his rounds didn't come to see what he was doing in the schoolyard. Come on, fellow. Let's head back to the campground. What do you say? Eddie opened the side door of the van and motioned for Snarly to jump in. The dog glanced at Eddie and lifted his head to sniff the air. Giving one final snort, he jumped into the van. Eddie quickly shut the door and walked around to his side and climbed into the driver's seat. Silently thanking whatever divine powers might have helped him, he slowly pulled onto Highway 19 and headed back toward the campground. Snarly Al did not settle down as he usually did when the van was in motion. He sniffed the seats and the floorboard and moved back and forth from the passenger seat to the back area where Eddie stored his extra gear. Snarly was obviously agitated. The further Eddie drove, the worse Snarly got. Once they left the main highway and traveled about a half mile on the dark two-lane road leading to the campground, the engine quit. There was no warning, no sputtering, no backfires. It just quit. Eddie sat still in the driver's seat, dumbfounded as to what to do. Snarly was quiet, but still visibly disturbed. He stood at the side door, clearly ready to get out. Eddie was about to open his door, when through his open window he heard movement in the bushes on the side of the road. There were no street lights or any businesses in the area to provide lighting from their signs. The sky 
was awash with stars, and the only light was that offered from the moon. Eddie hesitated as he listened to the disturbance in the brush which appeared to be getting closer to the van. Snarly Yow whined and pawed at the door, letting Eddie know that he wanted to get out. Let's just sit tight for a minute, okay, boy? The bushes parted, and a very tall, dark shape, much too tall to be human, crossed the road in front of the van. Eddie froze, pretending that if he stayed perfectly still, he might dissolve into the seat, invisible to whatever it was that approached. Snarly, too, remained still, his nose quivering as he tried to identify the strange, pungent odor that permeated the van. It seemed to Eddie that a shadow passed over, throwing them temporarily into complete darkness as the huge thing drifted past. A scratching noise made Eddie's skin crawl, a sound as if someone took a handful of nails and ran them all the way down the passenger side of the van. The odor intensified, the scent of burnt oil and rotten eggs. As quickly as it had come, the shadow thing was gone, along with the smell. Snarly Yell ran to the back window and then back to the front, almost frantic in his search for what had passed by them. Eddie turned the key in the ignition, and the engine fired into life. With trembling hands, he put the van into gear and drove off quickly. Within minutes, they were back at their campsite. It wasn't that late, but as the van passed the other sites, Eddie noted that no one seemed to be outside. When Eddie let Snarly Yowl out, the wolf dog immediately circled their tent, sniffing the ground all around the site. Eddie held his breath as he unzipped the entrance to the tent. Ah, all as it should be for once. Thank God. Eddie wanted nothing more than to curl up in his sleeping bag and put the events of the evening behind him, but he was too keyed up to sleep. He looked over at the stacked wood beside the fire ring. Well, at least I had the presence of mind to have a fire ready to go. He lit the fire and retrieved his guitar from the van. The rush of the river was even more welcome now than in the heat of the afternoon. His fingers found their own rhythm on the strings, a calming melody emerging from someplace deep within him. Soon Snarly Yow lay down beside him, alert but much calmer than before. Suddenly the campsite was illuminated by a fiery ball that soared over their heads. Snarly and Eddie tracked the object together, watching as it disappeared behind the wooded ridge that rose across the gravel road behind the van. The vision of a similar night in the Fort Mountain campsite flashed in his mind, along with Kathleen May's warnings and Andrew's words in the museum earlier in the day. Her two boys were in the group of kids who were playing in a field near the elementary school where they spotted a fireball that streaked across the sky and appeared to land in the woods near their house. Eddie looked around to see if by chance any other campers had noticed the fireball. No one had emerged from their tents or RVs. Eddie looked at Snarly. I don't really want to, but I'd rather go see if there's anything up there than allowing it to sneak up on us here. Snarly wagged his tail twice and moved toward the ridge. Hold up a second, fellow. Let me grab a couple of things. Eddie got the lantern from the van and after a moment's hesitation, the hatchet. And once again, I questioned my decision not to own a gun. Even without a trail, the woods weren't thick enough to slow their progress. In just a few minutes, they made it to the top of the ridge. Down below them, in a small valley, a red light pulsed 
Eddie couldn't identify the precise source. It seemed to be glowing outward from a large thicket of bushes. Snarly growled as the same sickening smell they'd experienced before wafted up to them. Damn it, why did I feel like I had to come up here? As Eddie had feared, a tall shadow, easily ten feet tall, appeared between them and the pulsing light. This time, however, he could make out some features. That can't be. It's just too crazy. The figure worked its way toward Eddie, and he could see that its eyes were glowing. Like the depiction in the sketches at the museum, the head, or perhaps it was a cloak around its head, came to a point. When it raised its long arms in a threatening gesture, Snarly Owl attacked with a series of deep, bellowing barks. Before the wolf dog could reach the monster, it collapsed and broke apart into a multitude of squirming forms. Eddie gasped as he saw at least a dozen small, pale bodies dashing off into the darkness of the woods. Some jumped into the lower branches of trees, while others disappeared into the thick foliage. Snarly Yow continued to give chase to some of them, while Eddie stood and watched, feeling helpless to aid the wolf dog and extremely vulnerable. He tightened his grip on the handle of the hatchet and peered into the woods, trying to ready himself as much as possible for a sudden attack from the smaller creatures. In just a few moments, Snarly Owl emerged out of the darkness and stopped at the spot where the monster had dissolved into the goblin things. Eddie approached cautiously and saw that Snarly was pawing at the robe that lay on the forest floor. You okay, boy? Eddie asked as he ran his hands over the wolf dog's head and back. Eddie jerked his hands back when he realized that, once again, Snarly was covered in blood. When he was convinced that none of the blood was Snarly's, he held the lantern closer to examine the clothing. This is exactly what I saw in the parade. Did they somehow steal that kid's giant puppet? As Eddie studied the robe and the huge foam head, the costume began to fade from view. Eddie reached for it, but then stopped himself from touching it. As he watched, it continued to become less visible, getting more and more transparent by the second. A minute later, the costume was completely gone. That concludes Episode 11, Masquerade, and completes Eddie's visit to Flatwoods, West Virginia. I want to give a special shout-out to Arcana, Vinka, Aaliyah, Luke, and all the other wonderful people in the Final Form Fusion Dance Group who contributed to this episode. I wish I could have been in Flatwoods when some of you actually did perform during the Flatwoods Monster Festival. When I learned that not only did some of you perform a dance inspired by Braxy, but also one about Snarly Yow, and that you danced at a funeral home, I knew I had to include you in the story. Dark Friends, you can find out more about Final Form Fusion by visiting their Facebook page. And those who subscribe to my free newsletter will find a fun interview I conducted with several members of the group. You can check it all out on the Dark Corners Facebook group page, and you can find the link for my newsletter on my website at davidallenvoyles.com. That's it for this time. I hope you'll join me again very soon in the Dark Corners. <laughs>